This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tech Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Tuesday, November 13th, 2018. I'm in Taiwan, outside of Taipei at MediaTek's headquarters, and I'm here with a bunch of really awesome folks I'm going to introduce. I've got Kevin Keating of MediaTek. Hi, Miriam. Glad you're, to be here. You're in the marketing department, right? Basically. I am. Yep. And then I've got Jerry Yu of MediaTek. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, I'm in charge of the uh, intelligent device business school. Fantastic. And then I've got Hadley Simons here of Android Authority. Thanks for being here, Adley. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it's a real uh, privilege. <laughs> Wonderful. So um, I want to spend about the first 20 minutes, half hour of the show talking with the MediaTek team here about the devices, the products, the chips, everything, the ecosystem, the whole universe of what MediaTek does. Because I think a lot of people just don't know and understand what's going on. And then you know, Hadley and I will continue and cover some of the news items for the week. So uh, let's get started with maybe one of you can tell us about what MediaTek, MediaTek makes chips yep. and what you provide chips for. What are the devices that we're familiar with that you provide chips for? Yeah. Jerry? Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, MediaTek is set up from the 1997. Yeah. Our first product line is in the optical storage, which is used in the computer. Yep. Yeah. So from optical storage, we gradually expand our core technology from the servo control to multimedia, just like the DVD player, mm-hmm. BD player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is our second product line. And then we expand from multimedia to the TV, like our smart TV. So right now, MediaTek is the worldwide, uh, number one, uh, market share in the TV, uh, this industry. So after that, uh, from around the 2000, uh, we start uh, to develop the mobile phone in the uh, in the 2G feature phone. Right. Yeah. So we already have uh, over 18 years experience to develop the mobile phone. Yeah. So I think that's our uh, all of our product line. Uh, we move from the optical storage to multimedia player. TV and the last one is the uh, smartphone. Right. Yeah. I would I would say the the uh, quickest way for us to talk about it is three areas: mobile, home, and auto. Right. And I don't think a lot of people know that we do about 1.5 billion devices a year. So we like to say we've already met. So you may you, not you know wanna, it, but MediaTek's already what, in your what, life. What MediaTek? How MediaTek is in their lives? Because I don't think they know. <laughs> they don't. I certainly didn't. Know. They don't. And, Jer- and Jerry covered. A lot of it, you know, with things like, you know, even going back to the to the CD player and the, and the Blu-ray uh, player. That's, that's been in people's like lives and in their homes for a long something time. Something that's pretty bleeding edge right now that people are coveting and buying in droves. You mean things you can speak to yeah. and have them do things for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're really dragging this on. Yeah. Uh, the reality is there are products from Amazon, a lot of the products from Amazon. So uh, the, the Echo devices, the uh, tablets, right, as well. So yes. that's that's a lot of devices right Fire there. Fire TV. Fire TV, yeah, the sticks, the Fire Sticks. Yeah, Fire Sticks. Yeah. Um, are you able to share anything about who, did you work with Google on their devices at all? Uh, Chromebook. Okay, Chromebook. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. There you yeah. go. So you see, there are a lot of products that are touched by MediaTek. And I mean, I know a lot of you listeners right now know that MediaTek makes 
uh, chips that end up in a lot of phones, especially in India and in China. There's a lot of people on the show listening from India. I know this. So it's not a surprise to you, but I think a lot of people don't understand, for example, that you do automotive stuff too. Right. So like, tell us a little bit more about that as well. Yeah. The, we've, the, the automotive business is, is relatively new for us. It's about four years old. Um, and we do probably four core areas, which is infotainment, which could be, you know, screens in your car and instrument panels, telematics, um, MF wave radar, which is going to do some of your auto parking and mm -hmm. sensors, whatever you want to detect around and outside your car. And then uh, Vietas, which is basically autonomous driving. You know, the thing that was really interesting about Boris's presentation earlier today, Boris is the person in charge of the auto side of MediaTek. And he gave us a presentation. He was showing us a use case where instead of using ultrasonic sensors in the back of your car, like your little round things you see on your bumper that are currently using for parking assist and other detections, that you guys have developed technology using millimeter wave radar for that. And I mean, traditionally in uh, modern cars, millimeter wave radar is used for things like radar cruise control yeah. and uh, emergency braking, uh, emergency uh, collision. <laughs> avoidance but very rarely is it used for short distance type stuff like parking sensing and stuff so that to me was kind of interesting I never you know I never know like my, my Tesla has the combination of everything but radar is really only used for front you know front uh, facing forward not for anything in the rear of the car so I thought that was really interesting yeah I think uh, you are right actually uh it's a uh, from my point of view it's a breakthrough of the sensor uh, the using the mirror wave radar, actually, our manufacturing is a CMOS. Yeah, before the, the mirror wave radar is developed by uh, another spatial uh, manufacturing process. Okay. Yeah. So MediaTek is worldwide number one uh, to adopt the, the standard CMOS process. And uh, we uh, develop an uh, antenna on the chip yeah, technology to minimize the sensor. That's right. So just to clarify for listeners who might not understand, because obviously I have a bit of background in this. Yeah. Um, instead of one of the big challenges today with a lot of sensors, that the sensor is mounted and then the electronics are not near the sensor. So you need to connect the sensor to the electronics in some way. And yeah. there's loss in signal quality, loss in performance because of that. So miniaturizing the sensors and being able to incorporate the chip that does the computing right on the sensor, near the sensor, in the same module is a huge deal for the automotive industry. And from what Boris was showing us, in fact, we got to touch some samples. Yeah. I think you guys are really, you're right there. You're doing this thing, uh, putting the, the compute right next to the sensor, which is really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, I think a sensor... Uh, what we want to replace the traditional ultrasonic sensor is our first step. Okay. But if, if we have the sensor signal, actually we can do the sensor fusion to, to, right. to using the sensor as a feedback signal to know the current environment, yeah, of the car. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, we will gradually to, based on this sensor, to develop our system, uh, algorithm, to uh, do the uh, the like the parking car assistant or uh, in the future even for the uh, uh, car uh, driverless car autonomous car uh, actually I think this is quite important uh, sensor and the algorithms yeah to uh, 
uh, to do some technology breakthrough. Yeah. So Hadley, I know you wrote an article, and I'll put it in the show notes, about kind of comparing and talking about some of the media chip chips that are currently on the market. Can you quickly give us maybe an overview of what the device, what the different chips are and where sure. they fit in the market? Sure. Um, I suppose we could stick to the 2018 releases. Um, if you're going to go, if you're going to go uh, by uh, lowest end to highest end, you'd be looking, your starting point, uh, like for your Redmi 6A, for example, your $100 smartphone, that would be the, the Helio A22 chipset. And that's, uh, you know, a quad core uh, chipset, A53. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty capable. It's, it kind of goes up against like the very low end, uh, Snapdragon, the older quad cores and, and like the old, the 200 series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's built on a 12 nanometer process. So if you don't know what the, the manufacturing process is, I'm referring to, it's quite small. It's, it's very small for $100 phone. Yeah. To know. give you an idea, last year's top chips were running 10 nanometers. Modern chips today are just starting to come out yes. with seven. So 12 for low end chip is a pretty good, uh, size yeah, chip, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's been on the market for, for, uh, quite a while now. Uh, if I, if I remember correctly, I think it was a few months ago, Qualcomm announced a couple of their own chips and they only just announced that it was 12 nanometers and, you know, uh, MediaTek's been there f- for a while. They already have products on the market. Um, and then moving on a little bit, uh, if you go up a, a little bit, uh, probably in your $150 phones to $200 phones, you have the P, the P22, which is basically optical and, uh, also 12 nanometers. But the cool thing about both of these phones is they, they have Bluetooth 5, you know, which is, um, which you don't, you, you don't really find. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see that unless on the competition, unless you go to the very high end, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, um, Qualcomm has quite a few older chips in the, I mean, MediaTek has quite a few older chips kind of in between the, the, the P22 and, uh, the P60, but the P60 and P70, very similar chips. Um, they are kind of like the, like your mid-range to upper mid-range, uh, chip at chip the moment. Set, yeah. Um, and it's also, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, um, uh, the CTO of MediaTek, uh, Kevin, uh, Joe. Joe. Yes, yeah. yes. He, I, I interviewed him at MWC and he compared the P60 to the Snapdragon 660. Okay. And, uh, he said that was kind of what, what they were targeting in terms of, uh, performance and everything. And on paper, um, the CPU side, definitely you're seeing, um, four powerful cores, uh, you know, the four energy saving cores, which is normally, you don't see that very often in, in the mid range, you know, actually, um, at all, it's, it's 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 quite rare, and it's it's actually this year that you're starting to see those powerful cores come into the midrange. So cool. yeah. So Jerry and and Kevin, tell us a little bit more, uh, maybe about the the kind of the roadmap going forward as much as you can. You know, yeah. I'm interested in finding out. I know the P60 devices are out right now. The P70 was just announced. Um, you know, there's probably more coming, and you don't have to elaborate on that. I'm more curious about. What we're going to see, like, are we going to see a chip soon that uh, kind of goes for the high end of the market for yeah. MediaTek? Yeah. Is that coming? Yeah. Uh, sure. I think uh, uh, for the marketing, uh, MediaTek will uh, uh, try our best to uh, develop the new technology and, and have the continuously have the new product launch. Yeah. So except the P60, P70, uh, Everyone, I think, is quite, uh, 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 take care about the, maybe our 5G solution. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the 5G solution. Yes. The, it's the M70, right? Yes. Yeah. We already are uh, official announced, uh, in, uh, 
middle of this year, uh, we will have our first generation 5G uh, uh, modem solution yeah, in M70. Yeah. It will be launched uh, next year. Great. So what are you, you know, you talked a little bit about the strategy today about what you're targeting with this uh, modem, right? Um, you said that it's primarily about sub six, which is one of the big pillars of 5G technology. And you're, I think your target market, you said, was mostly China. Is that correct? Uh, our first, uh, f- uh, our first targeting market, uh, maybe, uh, is aiming to China first. Yeah. So that's why, uh, sub six gigahertz is our first step. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think, uh, uh for MediaTek point of view, we still want to aim in the global market. Yeah. So. Oh, of course. I meant immediately. The first, the first, yeah, the market. first. Yeah. 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 We also expected, uh, the 5G will be happened, uh, uh, in China first. No, that makes sense in terms of sub six, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, the U.S. is very focused on on millimeter right now, but it, we're talking about millimeter for infrastructure, really, basically, uh, you know, fixed fixed use, right? Like from our homes and offices, where you're beaming instead of sending through fiber in the recovery range, and and it's line of sight, you know, and it's going to degrade with the bad weather, which will be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, millimeter has its challenges, but I think it's a very important thing because if you look ten years down the road, twenty years down the road. We need to master millimeter wave. There is no other way to get the speeds we want, the bandwidth we want, the low latency we want. We just we're gonna end up with handheld devices that are covered in antennas. That, <laughs> but it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be interesting because it's gonna bring new de, new designs yeah. to, to to light, and it's gonna be really a challenge to make a phone that no matter how you hold it. Yep. There's enough antennas yep. uncovered to get. Right. So I'm imagining a future, like I've been saying this for years now, where I really think the future of the smart, like people are saying there's no innovation in smartphones. And I think they're so wrong because in the same way as we still use laptops and GUI based interface. And then for some people like developers, they still use command line. Like there is a very, very clear paradigm yep. of use of touch, touching whether a tablet or even a, a small screen on your wrist or a handheld palm-sized device, that is going to continue. And these devices might not become the main part of our lives anymore in the future. Maybe we'll talk to the speaker all the time instead. But the reality is that modality is going to continue to exist. And to me, I think the future of smartphones is every pixel, so to speak, of your phone's surface area is... Emitting, emitting light, receiving light, so it's a camera, yeah. is emitting sound, receiving yeah. sound, and is emitting RF and receiving RF, yeah. and is a compute element. Yeah. So basically, you have the entire phone covered in antenna, <laughs> microphone, speaker, display, camera, yeah. and RF, you know, yeah. antenna. I think that's where we're going, because if you look at it, it's inevitable. And, and of course, we're far from that. You know, we're going to need some serious nanotechnology right. for that to yeah. happen. But I think, you know, people, and of course, that's going to allow some form factors that are crazy because you're not going to be limited anymore to a rectangle or a square or, you know, even just slightly yeah. curved designs. Like classic Nokia, you know, those circular phones. Oh, do you remember the <laughs> yeah. bendable one? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So I think, look, I'm, I know I'm deviating, but that's what this podcast is all about. Tangents are very much encouraged. You're not passionate about this, are you? No, I think yeah. it's not exciting at all. Um, <laughs> I think, I think what we're what we're seeing with 5G is different regions are all picking their flavor, right? Yeah, Whether they're starting absolutely. with sub-6 or, or millimeter wave. And eventually where it's going to end up, everyone's going to have both. MediaTek is clearly going to support both sub-6 and, and millimeter wave. 
it'll be just a matter of, of time um, and where it makes sense to roll it out as a business case as well, right? So absolutely. So one of the things that I didn't hear, or at least I don't remember hearing any of the presentations today was, have you made any chips that have built-in modems? Only? Modems only? No, no, chips and modems combined. Like Qualcomm is very good at this, right? Oh. So I'm wondering if MediaTek has any products where the radio, the LTE radio, is yeah. built into the chip. Yes, uh, actually, uh, I think modem investment is a... Uh, uh, it's a quite important technology for MediaTek. Uh -huh. Yeah, so we also uh, utilize this technology expand to another product line. So just like a tablet, yeah, tablet with the the modem mm -hmm. or tablet with the Wi-Fi only. Right. Yeah, this is the our new product line. Uh, using this technology, uh, applic uh, uh, and the application uh, to the another uh, industry. Yeah. And uh, just like uh, the automotive, I think in the future, we also need uh, just like uh, the e-call or telematics. Yeah, we also will full, full utilize the, the modem technology. Yeah, so uh, that's why in our automotive product line, the telematics products is also uh, another area we use in this technology yeah, to right. the new application. So, but do you have a chip currently on the market that has the, the uh, 4G LTE modem built into the chip? You're talking about integrated Like a modems. single chip. Because, you know, like I a lot of the Qualcomm, you don't know? Okay, that's fair. I don't know the answer. I'm just that. curious. Yeah. Um, because that's, uh, it brings economies of scale in terms of power and manufacturing, yeah. right? And real estate inside the phone, which I think is why I thought it was a, given. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people want it. So I'm curious. Um, so uh, I'm trying to figure out as well um, where... You know, you're expanding in the automotive space. Where do you think we're going to see the smart speaker evolve and go? Because obviously right now it's evolving already. We have smart displays coming. And I have a Google Home Hub now at home, review unit from Google. Yeah. And honestly, it's a really great device. And I didn't think that adding a small display would make a huge difference, mm -hmm. but it does. I'm, you feel that some stuff is easy, easier to present visually. So when you ask for the weather, that it can show you the forecast visually while it's telling you what the weather yeah. is. Um, and you don't often, to me, it's not even about being able to touch the screen, which obviously you can do, but it's even just having like, you know, a calendar displayed when it tells you what your next meeting is. So you can actually visually see what your schedule is going to look like for the day sure. before it even tells you. So I'm wondering if you see that as, um, like if in your strategy going forward, do you see the audio and display smart speaker cohabitating an equal number? Or do you think we're going to see more display-based speakers? Or do you think the audio-only speaker is going to remain the, the staple because of cost, right? It's possible that people don't want to spend money. And if they can right. buy an Echo Dot at Christmas for $29, which I think is what they were selling for last year at they Christmas right. uh, or Black Friday or yeah. whatever it was. That. Like, I mean... I bought two because I was like, whatever. That's like four, five espressos yeah. in San Francisco. I, I don't care at that point. Right? I, mean, it's a I remember deal. when I was in the USA, because uh, we don't have Google Home uh, Home Minis in South Africa. So uh, they were doing three for 100 at Walmart and I bought the Google Home Minis. <laughs> so what do you think? Where do you think the, the what, are the, what are the trends you're seeing? Where do you think that, that product, because you own that product space right now. So tell us about the future of that product space. Yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, I think uh, the smart speaker, is uh, a new product concept that drive by the the AI technology. Yeah, especially at the cloud side, the AI technology become mature. 
So the uh the the this technology drive this new product concept. Yeah. So for smart speaker, the past three years, the worldwide shipment is from around the three million in 2016, and the 30 million to uh in uh 2017. Wow. And this year, uh we expect it can reach around the 16 million. Uh, wow. Worldwide. So, That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So with this huge growth, I think is based on uh the three key elements. Yeah, from my point of view. First of all, uh smart speaker it already become a like a home hub. Yeah. Yeah. To control the all the devices in the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is their market positioning. Secondly, uh smart speaker drive the new human and the device interface. Actually, before we using gesture, we using touch, mm-hmm. and in the in in the in the in the computer computer age, actually the keyboard is the human uh, interface between human and the devices. Yeah. So actually, the the audio, the language is the most natural Absolutely. language yeah. to communicate yeah. with the device. Mm-hmm. So especially in some environment, just like at home, smart speaker already. Uh, recognized as a successful product in the, in the home. And, uh, we watched the trend, uh, use the, this audio interface already gradually expanded to, uh, different in the, uh, industry, just like in the automotive. Yeah. The hands is busy to handle the, the, <laughs> the wheel, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the audio interface is quite natural in the home. Uh, in automotive, uh, when you drive in the car, yeah. And uh, secondly, uh, ex- except the, 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 the audio, uh, module already expanded to different, uh, devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, that, the, the audio become a new interface between human and the devices. And the, the last one, uh, is, uh, even for the small, smart speaker, uh, there has two trends. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, for the high end, uh, we think uh, the smart speaker will gradually, uh, have the, the, the screen, uh, to let the, the, the interaction, uh, with the human being or the, the, uh, it, it will be, uh, more convenient. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for this device. Absolutely. And, uh, in the more high end, it will build in the camera inside. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we can use the AI technology, yeah, to, uh, implement, uh, more fruitful, uh, features, yeah, in the smart speaker product line. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that, you know, it'd be really great. Like for me, my, my kind of holy grail of this audio speaker controlled AI world we're starting to live in mm-hmm. is that I'm, Google's very good and I use it primarily. Yeah. Um, and I find that I can have almost conversations with it about because it knows so much about my life. And but the problem is I always have to use the keyword. If I have to pause yeah. for a little bit of time, it stops being there for me. And what I would love is, um, you know, and this could be done with again microphone arrays, but it could also be done with a camera where it has a context of where I am in the room. Yeah. So it can see me if you know we have a tendency 
even when we talk to a smart speaker to yeah. look at it or like <laughs> lean towards yeah, it, we right? Do. Yeah. And I, I catch myself doing that all the time because my Google Home is behind me, my comfy chair in the living room. So I always like look backwards <laughs> at it. And I know it doesn't make a difference, but I do it it's unconsciously. Yeah. And I think that if the camera could see that, they'd be like, oh, it's talking to me, yeah. not talking to another human. Right. Or there's no other human in the room, right? Yeah. Maybe you could get the data from the thermostat that has an infrared sensor and can see how many people are in the room, right? It doesn't have to be uh, visual data. It can be thermal data. It can be a whole bunch of other stuff. And so I'm looking forward to that happening. Yeah. Because, and, and I think that's the other thing. Honestly, um, I wouldn't be... I, I feel that the, the future of the smart speaker, whether it has a display or not, is really going to be a personal choice and personal taste and a cost thing. Uh, camera is the same. I think some people are going to be a little put off by that at first. Um, but yeah. I, and you know, we're seeing that with, particularly with Facebook, right? Yeah. With Portal, it's not being well received because it's Facebook, not because it has a camera per se, yeah. but it's compounded by the fact that it has a camera, I think. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it doesn't do anything else in messaging. But the thing is, I think that, um, you know, I want to see these devices have a Wi-Fi router in each, like the, mm. the home speaker has the Wi-Fi mesh router in each home speaker yeah. and has, the ability to talk to multiple assistants in one speaker yeah. because eventually we're going to have to there's still going to be fragmentation yeah. and i want to see the ability for the home speaker to have a, th a, um, a, a temperature sensor so it can talk to the hvac system yeah. it, that way you don't have to have like right now if i look at my living room it's it's a nightmare i have a nest on my wall i have an alexa echo uh, uh, sorry uh, an amazon echo i have a google now mini uh, Google Home Mini. I've got like you know all these devices. I got I got a, I've got a ring camera on my doorbell, <laughs> which is like neck, right on the door. I've got a couple of Nest cameras. It's all different ecosystems. They don't talk to each other very well. It's like but more a bunch importantly, of people in your house all the I'm time. replicating. Yeah, but I'm replicating uh, stuff. Right. I, I, I don't yeah. need to necessarily have a thermostat in that room. All I need is a temperature sensor. And to talk to the thing to say set the temperature right. or ask it what's the temperature right now. Yeah. You know. I, I think you're outlining. In practical ways, all the things just that Jerry just talked about technology-wise. Right, that, exactly. And Jerry said something today that I thought was good that the uh, you know the voice assistant smart speakers are going to be a breakthrough point for innovation, and that's all those things you just talked about. The you know the, the door is kind of wide open of what's going to happen. You know whether it's inside the home or or even somewhere else in the car of what you're going to do with voice. It's 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 natural, and I think people are going to come up with different and, and easier ways to use it. Yeah, we, we joked too about, you know, show a little bit of my age, but you know, what was the, what was the thing that turned on the lights years ago that we always made fun of? The clapper, right? <laughs> the clapper, that yeah. was the yeah. quickest, fastest that was the, user uh, interface that was, ever. That was the Amazon Echo of its time. <laughs> it, uh. it was. And so now, you know, voice is so easy. Before it was, you know, you take out your phone, you got to open the app, and then you tell it to turn on lights. You got to find the app first. Yeah, you got to find no, it. So, it, was, it was Microsoft Sam. Yeah. So it's eliminated oh, yeah, a right. lot, a lot of steps um, that I think people will continue to find new ways to use that. No, absolutely, and I, I do think that you know, as we as we move forward with this technology, you know, it, it's an enabler in in so many areas. You know, people with disabilities, yeah. people that are old, people that are young, right? Everyone can talk to the computer, basically. Yeah. And it's so much more intuitive than touching a screen or using a mouse or whatever else we've been doing all along. And so I think you got, you have a great opportunity there. And as a, as a leader in that space, I mean, I hope that you can drive your, 
your customers, your, your the brands you work with, to to adopt some of your vision and that and kind of and I think that's one of the things we're seeing, for example, from some of your competitors in their own spaces mm-hmm. that they're they're defining technologies that are becoming so critical to the brands that are using these technologies that they are just have to adopt right. them. Yeah. And I want to see MediaTek do that because I think that would kick ass, <laughs> right? We, so, we think so too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, cool. Well, listen, um, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate you also hosting us here at MediaTek today and giving us great presentations and showing us around campus and everything else. It was great, um, to, great to have you here and uh, get to show off some of our Awesome. Our products and technology. Yeah. And uh, just so you know, listeners, I, we, I have an Oppo A3 uh, device with a MediaTek P60 to, to take uh, for a spin. So I'm super excited that I've, I, I, don't, I haven't had many MediaTek devices, uh, phones to review in my life. So I know, Hadley, you've touched a lot we'll more. We'll have to fix that. <laughs> a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, can we like hire Hadley for a tech evangelist for, for a while? <laughs> he knows go. as much about our chipsets as our engineers. <laughs> so yeah. Go. So I Here think the product, uh, yeah, our P60, Oppo uh, devices. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I'm looking forward to trying that out. So um, there is some other news this week, and uh, I want to talk about it a little bit. The Samsung follow up on last week's folding phone story, whatever that we covered. Uh, I had uh, David Lum on the show from uh, TechRadar, and uh, we actually uh, covered, you know. A lot of it, but there's been news today. So do you want to do you tell yeah, sure. us about it? So um, apparently, uh, news out of uh, Korea, uh, Yonhap News uh, reports that uh, essentially the, fold, the Samsung foldable phone could launch in March, and the price might make you cry a little because it's uh, it's uh, pegged at one at over one thousand seven hundred dollars, uh, <laughs> the equivalent price, two million won. So you know, this is basically more expensive than like the Porsche mate kind of phones and all that. But do you expect anything else? Come no, on. I mean, no, the complexity on this thing no. is insane, right? Exactly. Exactly. I, I think if they sold, I think if you were expecting a $1,000 phone, I think it would be kind of, I mean, the Note 9 was $1,000, right? Um, yeah. I think that is kind of that, I wouldn't say it's the new normal, but that ultra premium tier of phones has become like, you know, the Mate 20 Pro, the, the Note 9 has become that kind of more expensive phone. And that's like the new normal almost. And now, you know, the limited edition phones are well over 1,300, 1,400, or in this case, probably 1,700. Yeah, absolutely. That still puts us, let's see, how much does the Mate 20RS cost? Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I know the Porsche, when it came out, when the Porsche uh, Mate RS came out with the B20 Pro, uh, I think it was about 1,200 to $1,300. So it's four hundred dollars more, but uh, come on. Folding. I think it's close to two thousand US actually, yeah. if I remember properly. It's really expensive. Yeah. But I mean, look, it's a it's a it's a luxury product. Like yeah. it's it's I touch one, I use one for a day, and it is a very. It's amazing. I was so surprised how much more premium it felt than my Mate Twenty Pro, despite the guts being pretty much identical. Yeah. yeah. And that you know you pay for that. Some people will pay for that. So yeah. um. So yeah, so Galaxy F, I guess, is what it's going to be called. Yeah. And Mar- I honestly don't think it's going to be that early. I-, yeah. I think that's very optimistic. Yeah. I think that we might see um, prototypes that are a bit beyond what we saw on stage yeah. that we as journalists get a chance to do hands-on time with before launch, like around that time. But mm-hmm. I don't see a launch for this until another year, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, um, so, I mean... What what else what else do you think Samsung could be doing? I mean, I feel like 
the W series phones are an interesting candidate yeah. to get a folding sure. display. Sure. Right. So tell people I mean, on the show. I don't think everybody knows about the W phones. Yeah. So Samsung's got a, a series of 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 China only phones called uh, the W series. So they essentially are clamshell phones, and you heard correctly. So they are Android smartphones uh, with high end specs. Um, using either that year or the following, you know, that mostly that year's chipset, the high-end chipset. Um, and they, like last year's phone was actually Samsung, it was a, it was quite important, the W2018, because it was the first Samsung phone, uh, with the dual aperture design. Correct, yeah. You know. And they always pioneer new stuff on these phones. Exactly. The only, like when Samsung did the F over 1.6 lens, hmm. the W series in the fall, just before I think the Galaxy S8 yeah. it was, Got that lens, exactly. and and so the W phones are expensive. They're weird. They are primarily China only. So even if you try to import one, you're kind of SOL. They won't work yeah. in we- in the West. And uh, but they are very cool looking phones. And there is something about a f- uh, like a Moto Razor type style device that has a full on you know high res touchscreen in the f- inside and another exactly, exactly the same size on the front panel so that when it's shut you can still use it yeah. there's something about that that's design. begging that's begging for a foldable right so that's yeah. what i'm thinking like imagine instead of having a you keep a numpad that that would become you know something you can create with haptics and yeah. you can have like a whole interface yeah. there well, can you imagine really can you imagine using it as like a folded out like a weird like Tablet, and, you know? and, and I'm thinking, you know, what we saw a shrunk down version of what we saw on stage at the develop at the Samsung Developer Conference like next year, last year, would be what the W could evolve into. Yeah. Instead of being a, a clamshell uh, portrait, it'd be yeah. a clamshell landscape. Yeah, basically. exactly, exactly. But still much smaller than what we saw. Like yeah. I, I would love it so that when it's open. It's the size of a modern phone, like yeah. five inches, yeah. six inches. And when it's closed, it's like a tiny thing that you put in your yeah. pocket and yeah. it has a, a front palm display. Phone, a palm phone, but not a like, Exactly. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> palm phone by night, uh, big, gigantic, made 20X by day. You just <laughs> wow. unfold it. Um, so the, the, the thing though is the reason we're bringing up the W phone, the 2019, they're always named after the next year that they come, yeah. they come out late in the year. Uh, before the numbers. So 2019 is the current one that's about to launch. And, and yeah, this one apparently, um, if I remember correctly, does not have a headphone jack. Yes. So that it's not the only and first Samsung phone without a headphone mm. jack, but the W kind of, again, tends to show us where Samsung's going. So we're all a little worried collectively, all of us nerds. Yeah that uh, Samsung's going to remove the headphone jack from the Galaxy S10. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And if if that is the case, that would mean, I think, that uh, LG is one of the few players left uh, yeah. with a uh, high-end, um, you know, hi- uh, a headphone jack in the high-end. And uh, I don't know actually what to make of that um, because I like LG phones in theory, but uh, in practice, you know, um, yeah. Well, I'm worried about LG dropping the headphone jack eventually purely on a cost for cost measure thing. Mm. Like, I feel like LG right now, their mobile division is in the same boat as HTC was like two years ago. They're a dying breed. And I don't want to say that because I want to be mean. I love their phones, but I just feel like they're not being, they're not able to deliver. And certainly the sales aren't following the big difference. And this is what might save, 
LG Mobile, is that LG sells enough air conditioners and washing machines and fridges that they might be able to sustain the uh, mobile business as a, at a loss for another decade, yep. right? Yep. Um, because to them, it's, it's a pride thing, right? Yep. Samsung owns that space in their own country, South Korea. They're not going to let go. They don't, they want, we want that duopoly. We don't yep. want, um, only one manufacturer yep. to be, uh, uh yeah. from Korea. That, that breeds, that will also, um, to an extent, obviously, Huawei is not from Korea, but um, they are, you know, in competition. But monopolies never are never good, you know. Um, even even in a country, it, it breeds um, what's the word? Uh, compl- uh, co- complacency. Complacency, you know? yeah. yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting. Um, hopefully, the Galaxy S10 retains the headphone jack, and this is just a nod choice that they made for the W2019 maybe because it is it is a pretty space constrained device it always typically has a really tiny battery compared to what we're used to Um, so maybe they were just like this was too complicated maybe it has an in-display fingerprint sensor as well who knows that seems to be missing yeah yeah so uh, we'll see how it goes Uh, but that was interesting and then uh, let's see what else we got here Uh, lots of Samsung stories today Um, do you want to talk about this Linux on Dex stuff somebody on I commented on Twitter to me on one of the previous podcasts, uh, last week's podcast, mm. saying, "Hey, can you can you install this and try it out?" Yeah. Um, and I actually don't. I turned. Out, I don't have a Dex dock or cable, but I've actually asked Samsung to send me a dock, so yeah. hopefully I'll get it. Um, so I should be able to try it out. But have you tried it out? Unfortunately, so here's the the folly. Like I love my company that I work for, but uh, because of the location, so I'm in South Africa. And uh, I don't get any devices anymore. Oh. <laughs> At my previous job, I would get devices working for the local website. Uh, so all my colleagues get the devices. So uh, no Note Note Nine for me or, or Tab S Four for me. Although I suppose we could ask the colleagues to kind of send send a couple down. Um, but I haven't played with them. But um, it's, it's quite interesting. So it's limited to the Note Nine and the the Galaxy Tab S Four, um, which is which is weird because. Um, it's you when when Dex is you know Galaxy S8 uh, supports Galaxy S8 uh, S9 and uh, a couple of these devices the older devices so it's it's a bit disappointing to see it not being supported um, but Samsung's own system requirements states that you need eight gig of storage and four gig of RAM so you would think that a four gig of RAM uh, flagship would be fine but apparently not just yet. Yeah, it's odd. I, I think I'm I'm gonna try it out. I'm gonna try to get that Dex dock and let you know. I'm gonna sign up for it. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I'm you know I'm a nerd. I'm a big fan of trying out different OSs. I've been using Linux for years. I've been using Ubuntu uh, as well. And so I, I think that having uh, basically Ubuntu running on your phone as as a desktop interface is a kind of a cool thing. So I want to yeah. kind of experience it. So yeah. thanks for suggesting that on the show. And thanks for Hadley to write, yeah. uh, writing yeah. a story yeah. about an Android yeah. authority that tied it in well together. Yeah. There's also um, one thing I remembered, sorry, I, I just realized is that uh, before you kind of go running and, and going, oh, I'm going to run all my you know Linux apps on, on my phone, <laughs> It's comp- I, I believe the apps need to be compiled for ARM. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but there's a lot. There's a pretty solid ARM okay, awesome. uh, Linux for ARM ecosystem yeah. out Sweet. there. Yeah, yeah. Because Raspberry Pi is Linux course, on ARM, like um, you know. Uh, so there, there is a. I mean, and also I would just probably use it out of the box. You know, whatever yeah. they provide, just the web browser, just a desktop class web browser powered exactly. by my phone. Exactly. That is actually a viable, like Firefox yeah. or something, or Chrome. Yeah. Uh, uh, or Chromium yeah. probably because it would be better than Continuum as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that would be pretty dope. Yeah. So this is an interesting tidbit of news for sure. 
Uh, and then, let's see, there was another thing. So this is not really a Samsung story, but it's related to Samsung because you wrote this story about, and the, quite, the, the head, headline is, do we really need more than three rear cameras on a smartphone? And you know me and cameras and smartphones, we're big friends. But more importantly, um, this came up because the Galaxy A9 has four cameras on the yeah. back, which seems overkill. Um, so I want to talk about that. And you wrote the story just for, for folks who are listening right now. All these stories that Hadley wrote that we just ref referenced are all going to be in the show notes. Um, so I have two questions. I want to kind of divide it up into. One is specifically about Galaxy A9. I feel like they just did it for the sake of doing it because that fourth camera is only for depth sensing. Yeah. And you and I both it's, know you don't need that you don't need a fourth camera yeah. for depth sensing. Exactly. So what they, what were they thinking? I, you know, personally, um, you know, obviously can't speak for Samsung or, or, or whatever, but I, I think what they did was essentially kind of basically doing it so they can say they were first to do it, yeah. you know, so yeah. they can go, hey, look, we got a, a fourth camera. Sure, the quality might be, you know, whatever, but... Yeah. I mean, it's a mid-range phone. Yeah. I expect Samsung to deliver. I mean, in the sense that they have, their imaging yeah. systems are yeah. pretty good on their yeah. phone. I suppose if you're looking at, um, if you're comparing kind of image quality and, you know, like reliable shooting, I always kind of put Apple and Samsung on a level playing field and then, oh, and Google as well. And, uh, and Huawei, those kind of the big four, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. So tell me, what else did you just, I mean, obviously sure. we addressed the Galaxy A9 and the fact that we both feel it's redundant. Yeah. But is there, is, I mean, to me, if that was a monochrome sensor, this yeah. would be very interesting. That would be more interesting. Yeah. Right? So there are other options that you could have put on, uh, on your phone, uh, as a fourth camera instead of the depth sensor. Uh, you've got, uh, maybe you could do another telephoto sensor, you know, maybe if you wanted to do a three times telephoto, could give you, uh, smoother uh, transitions from, you know, your wide angle to your, uh, your one times to your two times to your three times. Oh, yeah. You could go for a, mon a monochrome sensor, like you said, which uh, might have the added benefit if, if uh, you know, if you look at Huawei of delivering, you know, better low light quality. Yeah, yeah. And then you get those dedicated low light cameras. Um, I believe the Xiaomi Mi A2 has a dedicated low light camera. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it has, you know, larger pixels or just uses pixel binning. That was all, that could have also been uh, possibly, uh, in, in theory, another option they could have done. So um, it's, it's a bit interesting, you know. Um, and yeah. there's, there's also the other, the, the question also that, that, that comes out of all of this is, um, space on smartphones is not infinite. You know, it's, uh, yeah, right. it's one of the, it's one of the biggest issues in a smartphone. And one of the reasons why for the longest time, um, you know, smartphone uh, image quality was nowhere near, um, you know, your dedicated cameras. And it's only really now that we're starting to use like image stacking and uh, machine learning and, and other um, cool techniques that we're starting to see the software bring out the, you know, the best of the, of the camera. So uh, anytime you kind of shove, you're making your sensors smaller uh, to fit in more cameras um, or for whatever reason, that's not, that's not a good thing. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, so for me, like, I definitely would love to see something for maybe from Huawei mm. that has, you know, four sensors in the back, specifically all the sensors we already have. Basically combine the Mate 20 Pro and the Mate and the P20 Pro, yeah. right? So um, bring back the monochrome camera and add that. Yeah. Um, because the true monochrome is really nice. And that f of 1.6 lens was so fast combined with a large sensor, like large number of pixels, give you lots of detail. Yeah. And it was really good for that. 
Um, so, but there's another thing that interesting. Last week we talked about the Oppo R17, mm. which, as you know, it has a rear camera system yeah. with a time of flight, yeah. 3D depth For sensing, sure. Sure. Kinect style yeah. thing, which usually we see on the front facing, yeah. like on the Oppo Find uh, X and on yeah. the uh, obviously the Mate 20 Pro yeah. and the iPhones. Yeah. Um, but you know, to me, the, putting on the rear is kind of smart. Yeah. So it requires, of course. Uh, an infrared illuminator, an infrared camera, it replay, you know, uh, a, a, a dot projector. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes in with this package, but it technically is another camera because yeah. you really are creating a, a cam. You're basically having an infrared camera. Yeah. So I mean, a fourth camera could also be a thermal camera. Yeah. It could yeah. be you know infrared a cat camera. You know, yeah. yeah, like the the Cat S61. Yeah. Um, which, I, by the way, I'm reviewing right are now. You I'm just playing with yeah. it. I've are you got one. It? Well, you know. I've had very little time with it. I had I reviewed the S60, which also had the cat, the FLIR uh, imaging sensor on it before. So this is a, a kind of a modern version of that phone. Mm. Uh, it's a mid-ranger. It's very expensive. It's a thousand dollars. But um, you know, if you're clumsy and you want something that's literally bulletproof almost, uh, that's that's the phone to get. Yeah. I mean, it's still a pretty decent mid-ranger, and uh, it's got the FLIR. So you know. But I mean, going back to uh, the space thing that you talk about is really interesting because uh, the Galaxy A9 is a big phone, but for smaller phones, it becomes a huge constraint really quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, when it comes to, to smaller phones in general, you know, you're obviously opting for the older sensors and, and, and all that kind of, you know, things. Um, and there, there aren't many things you can do, especially when you have um, a budget constraint device, you know, in terms of making making the... Um, a multiple camera setup work, you know. So I, I always admire when when companies can um, do things like going for four four cameras. And, I mean, and, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it it shakes up the industry. You know, it's it's maybe not necessarily in a good way or, or whatever, <laughs> but um, it, it it gives it, it gives a bit of uh, unpredictability. You know, but there are these questions you have to kind of uh, ask yourself as a manufacturer. You know, um, because even with dual cameras, when we switch to dual cameras. Um, there's a reason why Google's probably still sticking to the, the single camera setup. It's because, you know, you have one large sensor and, you know, you might, you might not have to worry about shrinking that sensor for, you know, for the secondary sensor. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, there is obviously uh, Google showing us that, that a single camera setup can still be fantastic. Yeah. You know? I mean, they're using the dual, uh, dual pixel autofocus pixels for depth sensing yeah. by using the parallax on each pixel. Exactly. So I mean it's it's a, it's a you know it's really two cameras in one if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Um and and that's uh, Samsung's using that on their phones too but for for uh, de- you know they don't using it for depth sensing as in the same way as Google is they're using it for autofocus depth sensing. But if you think about it phones like the iPhone XR that only have a single lens or even the Galaxy S9 regular that only has a single lens those two phones have dual pixel uh, autofocus uh, pixels and uh, you know they could potentially be used for parallax, but I don't think they're doing that because I think Google kind of somehow mastered that yeah. before everyone some else. Some black magic, <laughs> yeah. Some uh, some crazy AI going on there. So I think it's interesting. Um, I want to talk about uh, speaking of cameras and and since we are in Taiwan and we're close to China, speaking of crazy phones, the Lenovo Z5, you covered that as well. Tell yeah, us yeah. about it. Sure. So the, the Z5 Pro, I mean, Lenovo has been teasing it on, on we've, uh, at Android Authority, we've, we've been following or trying to follow Weibo, um, for, for a while now. Every time they post something, you know, on the, on the official account and they've been teasing this phone for ages with, with samples and, and all that, you know, all those kind of things. 
And um, it made us think of, um, I can't remember, I think it was the Lenovo Z5 where they teased a notchless phone, which ended oh, up being a, yeah. Yeah, ended <laughs> up being a notched phone. Yeah. Um, but the Z5 Pro, it's the latest slider phone um, on the market. And so, uh, yes, if you, th- if you, if you, if you had a D500 and you missed the Samsung D500 or, or, you know, those other phones, uh, that were, were classic slider feature phones, um, like this might the be for you. LG chocolate. Exactly. That exactly. our good friend David Kogan, who's on this trip with us, uh, the unlocker, he found one here yes. at the computer, at the electronics market in Taipei. He found an old classic LG chocolate yeah. slider. Um, this looks a lot like the Mi Mix 3 and the Honor Magic 2. It does. Uh, so it's not an electric slider. It's a mechanical slider. Yeah. Like you do it by yourself. Um, Which I quite like. <laughs> uh, does it have uh, some sort of depth sensing front camera? Um, it's, it seems to be the case, but then um, apparently it's more, of, it's more for IR face recognition. So, um, it's, you know, that's, that's become super popular this year, your IR face recognition along with your, your 3D, uh, face unlock. But it's, it's, it's going for IR. It's not going for anything cut, super cutting edge. Um, and then it's got a, a 16 and 24 megapixel camera set up on the back. So technically four cameras, but you know, if, if I'm not sure if the eight megapixel IR uh, camera can be used for anything else, I doubt it. So technically it would probably only be three, but they're claiming four. Okay. Uh, yeah. But what's interesting to me, and that's why I wanted to put this in there, because it is, it was announced on November 1st. It's, it's, uh, it's two weeks old now. Probably should have been discussed on last week's podcast <laughs> when we talked about the Mi Mix 3 and the Honor Magic 2. <laughs> but what is interesting to me is their choice of processors. Snapdragon 710. This is the first, one of the first yes, with the yeah. Snapdragon 700. Yeah, definitely. And that, that chip, in case you forgot, Actually exists, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a upper mid range, lower high end chip. Yeah. So it's kind of like cut the difference between a six sixty and an eight forty five. Yeah, exactly. Basically. That that naming convention gives it away straight away. You know, it's slotting right in between those two chips. Um, there was, if I remember correctly, there was one other major brand that had it, and that was Xiaomi with the Mi Eight SE. Right. So that was a, a, a seven ten chip, um, and you can kind of see the. Um, the, the the choice of chip reflected in the price, which is um, the equivalent of just under three hundred dollars. So you know it wow. is one of, yeah it is one of the the cheapest ones. So it's the cheapest slider. Quote I'm, I can't believe we're talking about slider phones again. Yeah. But I'm going to say now from now on, and when I say slider, you know what I mean. It means that the front facing camera is behind a slider. Um, so it's the cheapest slider on the market. Yeah, then. it seems that seems to be the case. Um, uh, tentatively speaking, um, but obviously you know you know what what happens when you you know it's a China only phone and inevitably what happens when the the phone gets brought over to other markets um, at least in in my country you see the price go up quite substantially, um, but I think yeah. still even even uh, at the price it is it was one thousand nine hundred uh, one, so that's still pretty pretty good you know three uh, about three hundred dollars um, by comparison the Mi Mix three at a starting price of four hundred seventy five dollars. Um, yeah, and the Honor Magic Two at a starting price of about five hundred and fifty dollars. So you know, definitely one of the one of the cheapest phones on the market, and um, it's actually really interesting. Um, do you think that the, the slider smartphone will stay for the next year or two? I think it's cool. I think it brings back tactility to the phone, mm. which we're missing. Like that, that kind of you know, when you read a slider or a flip phone, yeah. you would play with it, yeah. uh, or you'd hang up on somebody angrily. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. I think that we we lack tactility in our yeah. world right now. Everything is digital, um, and so I think that's in that sense people are gonna like it. And uh, the 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 flip side is you can't make them waterproof. They're mm. physically more fragile because you have moving parts. Mm. 
So don't drop them, especially not in water. Yeah. But I mean, look, that's a minor thing. Um, I think they're going to be around for a little while until we can solve um, what they're trying to solve, which is, you know, until we can find a way to not have a notch or a teardrop or whatever in the front of the display and yet still have a complete full display in the front. So I think we'll see. I mean, who knows? I I'm I like new forms. Well, not new. This is not new. But I like the idea of, Having a form factor choice. Yeah. I feel that I really want to get my hands on one of these sliding phones just to kind of experience it. And I'm glad there's more and more because that means that, you know, who knows, maybe OnePlus will give us one next yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm on board because obviously Oppo and Vivo, uh, you know, are, have done a while, you know, well, maybe they haven't yet, but they will probably be doing slider phones yeah. soon. That means that you know, BBK will as well, yeah. right? So. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the possibility for me, or at least in my opinion, I, I think in maybe in the next, I think we'll see them in the next 18 months. And then I think we'll probably see them taper off as, uh, like, I mean, Samsung announced what uh, that their plans for to get that camera under the display and all these kind of things where we don't need the notches and stuff. So I do foresee, you know, maybe this is just me being whatever, but I do foresee us uh, maybe in the next two years, you know, going all screen without the need for a slider. Yeah, I think that's inevitable. Mm. And I'll be interested to see how they solve that problem. For sure. Um, I think there's going to be an, a next, a whole next generation of phones coming that have basically a tiny hole in the display yeah. somewhere for the front-facing camera. And then the earpiece will be along the edge of the screen yeah. as a slit like it is on the OnePlus 6T, for example. And then um, they're, so we still, it, it won't be a notch because it won't be a cutout out off the edge of the display it'll literally be a hole somewhere in the display that they will know not to put any text yeah. there right it could be anywhere probably on the top somewhere um i can see that happening uh before we get the complete full screen yeah for sure, for sure. or the other alternative is with oled we're seeing this with the in-display fingerprint exactly. readers um, I recently got a, try, a chance to try, uh, uh, the, well, well, I shouldn't say try because I have it, yeah. obviously, the OnePlus 6T and the Mate 20 Pro both have Lightning Displays fingerprint readers. Yeah. And if you look, there's a camera under the display and it's reading your fingerprint through the display. Exactly. So think about this for a second. What if we could make a front facing camera that took the photo through the screen? Yeah. Right? So what we need is more light sensitivity because you're going to lose some sensitivity going through that OLED screen. We need a faster f-stop for that or better, better pixel sensing pixels. Uh, but th to me, that's, that's an yet another step we're going to see. But it's inevitable that at some point, you know, we, we're going to still, we're still going to want front facing cameras and we're going to want, you know, face unlock kind of sensing systems. And for that, we need we need to somehow find a way to put them under the display in the front. And they're going to find a way. I'll tell you an example of this very basic version of this. When I worked at Pebble on the Pebble Steel, I think it was, or maybe some of the other ones after that. But we had the light sensing element underneath the display. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's because that's yeah. the only place we could put it. Yeah. That's really that's really interesting. So it just shows you that it's, 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 it's possible. And, it's, and that was it's just for yeah. brightness. It was, you know, it didn't have to 
resolve an image. Yeah. All you have to do is get an idea of how bright the environment yeah. it was. Yeah, in, once right? you have to actually take a picture, it becomes yeah. way more complicated. It's very complicated. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it's not like it hasn't, you know, it's it's not impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's not out of the realm um, of possibility for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think we're good. I, I, this is a good show. I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you on the internet, like your Twitter, your Instagram, your YouTube, sure. if you have one, awesome. and of course, Android Authority. Yeah, right? yeah, sure. Let's start with uh, um, the company. So uh, if in case you uh, don't know, you can find us on Instagram and uh, uh, on t- Twitter's Android, uh, Android Auth and uh, Instagram's Android Authority and Facebook as well, obviously. Um, otherwise, I, I'm mainly just on 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 Twitter. Uh, that's the main front, you know, uh, account that I respond to, um, and that's just uh, yeah, Hadley Simons, uh, one word. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, you do you want to tell people where they can find you on Instagram? Because your Instagram is fun. Yeah. Um, I don't like my handle, but I don't <laughs> want to change it. It's prophylactic. It's also <laughs> it's like prophylactic without a P. Yeah. Instead, there's a B. I think there was just a phase where I was just going through like pro puns because you know I, me, I love my puns. Oh my god! If you guys have not met Hadley before, the puns <laughs> coming out of this guy's mouth, awesome. Awful, but okay. <laughs> no, I think it's entertaining. Uh, so I want to let you know uh, where you can find me. I, I think you all know, but those of you who are new to the show, uh, I'm at Tank Girl, like the comic book character, Tank Girl, but you dropped the vowels because, you know, this was in the 90s and somebody had taken the handle. So I invented the flicker thing before everyone else had Tank Girl, T-N-K-G-R-L. That's my Twitter handle. It's also my Instagram handle. You can find me there. I um, also suggest you follow me on YouTube. That's my full name spelled out. So youtube.com slash Miriam Joir, Miriam with a Y, Joir, J-O-I-R-E. Um, the reason I bring this up is because the YouTube channel is a complement to this podcast. We are talking about a lot of phones right now. Like I mentioned earlier when we were talking to MediaTek folks that I have an Oppo A3. Well, guess what? You're going to see an unboxing of that phone in the next day or two and that'll be on my youtube channel so subscribe like the videos tell your friends and most importantly subscribe to the podcast it's mobiletechpodcast.com i'm on google podcasts apple podcasts pocket casts overcasts oh stitcher slacker tune in radio everywhere and if you can't find me just add tanker on my handle at the end of mobile tech podcast because there's a lot of keywords that hit that a lot of podcasts use those three words so um you subscribe, tell your friends, all that stuff. I also want to thank our sponsor, audible.com. If you want to listen to books instead of reading them, they are the place to go. They are awesome. They have a huge selection of books. I listen to them in the car on long road trips, uh, sometimes on the plane because I have my eyes are tired and I want to kind of maybe doze off to a book or something. It's a great thing to do. Um, there is a link in the show notes. If you follow through with that link and you're not already a subscriber, you'll be able to join and it will help the podcast so do that if you are not yet a subscriber and you want to try it out you can try it for free for 30 days so don't worry about it and the link is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech so go to the show notes click on that and help the podcast along thanks everybody thanks hadley for being on it was really awesome thank you so much it was really fun yeah great yeah. stuff yeah. and here we are in taiwan which is even more fun exactly um so stay tuned for another show next week folks bye everybody cheers this has been the mobile tech podcast with tank girl proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com you can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com